Hello, Mark. I think we might be up to episode 50-whatever yeah, 50 in our whatever. podcast. Yes. We are. We're tracking along nicely. The year's gone. And uh, we're getting some uh, great uh, listeners on our uh, on our little podcast we've done. Yeah, the feedback's been fantastic. In fact, today we've just come off the long weekend of the King's King's birthday. I yep. nearly said Queen's birthday, but the thing that struck me over this weekend was the big freeze at the MCG, which was an amazing televised event, let alone being present at the ground. Well, but more so from my point of view, I'm interested in. The fact that, you know, it's about a cause of MND, of course, which prompts me to remind everybody listening to this is to do your health checks on a regular basis because you never know when something might creep up on you health-wise. That's true. Yeah. And it's a bit like servicing your car. My favourite expression is you would not go and drive your car for 10 years without having a checkup. So please apply that to your... To your body and your mind. So, Bill, today's guest, tell us. Well, I've got pages and pages of notes about our guest today, but today I want to introduce Christine Smith. Christine has an amazing history, and she was originally a 20-year veteran of the police force where she specialised in child abuse. Uh, And I can only imagine the experience in, in that area of the police force. But since leaving the police force, Christine um, has actually gone into business. Uh, and this business that she started is, was in one way prompted by the fact that unfortunately she had a brain tumour and had a brain operation. And out of that, she had partial paralysis and probably lived the life of those who were recovering. And through her own, what I call grit, determination and courage, has survived all that and now has a very successful award-winning business. And Chris is sort of seen as the guru in uh, in dealing with uh, disability accommodation. But without any words further, welcome, Christine. Oh, hi, Mark and Bill. Thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate also um, the opportunity to speak with you both today. Fantastic. So, Chris, where what do you prefer? Do you prefer Chris or Christine? Oh, I prefer Chris, actually. Okay, excellent. Um, Thank you. <laughs> no, some, I, I, my, uh, my youngest son is called Jacob and I call him Jake and I'm continually reminded his name is Jacob. So I always like to oh. ask and make sure. <laughs> yeah, Christine, Christine to me sounds a little bit um, too um, severe sometimes, but um, Chris or Chrissy is um, my, my preferred. Your preferred. Well, we'll have yeah. to remember that, Mark, because <laughs> another issue which we might advise our listeners is that the three of us sit on as judges as Geelong Business Excellence Awards. We do too. Yes. yes, that's right. And and I'm so humbled and um and honoured to be part of that team. It's just such a dynamic and awesome team. I've learnt so much about um, business mentoring and how important that is, but also how amazing our region is just in terms of the creativity and um, innovation that comes through those awards um i've i've just learned so much and i'm just so grateful to be part of that and and our our little podcast we've been discovering fascinating people and that's why you're here chris so let's let's start where where did you go to school where does where was primary school where were you born yeah so i was born in colac i have two brothers uh both older than me um i was raised in barwon downs which is um probably more popular now than it was back yep. in the 70s when I was born. Um, it's a beautiful 
township just on the edge of the Otways in the Western Districts. I was raised by two extremely hardworking parents, a farmer and a nurse. Um, and my two brothers and I, I guess, gained our very strict um, and ongoing work ethic through um, our um, our childhood days when we were working on the farm, picking peas, um, picking up potatoes um, and getting paid um, for our work. Um, and that's been embedded in all three of us um, into our adult lives. But interestingly, um, we all left school at the age of 16 and we, we've all been employed from the day we left school um, to today. It's it's really was the right option for all three of us kids. So, so coming coming back to that then, what was your first job then once you left the farm? So I left school um, at 16, Colac High School. Um, uh, interestingly, I was when I was about seven years of age, uh, my parents took me to see some family friends and um, one of them was a policeman um, and he um, put, put me in the police car and took me for a drive and probably my brothers as well <laughs> and that was a pivotal moment for me at the age of seven I decided from that moment on I was going to be joining the police force oh, wow. um, so when I was about 15 I think I actually um, took it upon myself to give the police academy a phone call and ask them should I do year 12 or should I go out and get a job because I'm going to be joining the police force and I want to know what you think um, so very different to today, but back then they actually told me I need to go find myself a job. So I finished year 11 and then my mother drove me to the Birrigara train station, plonked me on the train and off I went to Melbourne and um, found myself a job and never looked back and I joined the police force at 19. Well, what was the job you did for a few years? Well, um, another... Um, quite lovely thing about our past and growing up back then was that we were able to um, just simply ring and write a couple of letters and get a job just like that and what I did was I, I wrote to 10 banks in Melbourne and 10 solicitors in Geelong, yep. um, posted those off, um, letting them know who I was and how keen I was to get a job and I, I received a, a letter from the Commonwealth Bank saying you've got a job and then I and so I went off and worked in Melbourne for a couple of weeks um, and then I got a job at White and McDonald. They were called White and McDonald solicitors back then. Um, and I was offered a job there. And so I quit the bank after two weeks um, <laughs> and made my way back down to Geelong um, because a, a law, a, a job in law was much more preferable to me um, as an intro to the police force. So well, that's a bit I of a, Chris, that's hmm. a bit of a familiar story because. If you go back over our past 50-odd podcasts, you'll find when we ask that question and that, that early career path, the bank comes up quite a few times. Does it? Yeah, yeah right. So I, it, I, I think parents I thought it – sorry. I think parents thought it was a secure pathway in those days. Yeah. Well, and also when back then, I mean, um, I'm 51 now, back then um, you, you could either go to uni or you could become a solicitor, oh, sorry, a secretary or, a, you know, in the bank. The banks were um, obviously um, a, a good option. But there, there was nothing really taught. Well, I can't remember ever being taught anything at school about um, owning your own business, small business, medium business, being an entrepreneur and what that means. Or 
or even being given some confidence in the fact that you can actually succeed in life without um, a degree yep. and that there are many more options available to you. And that was sort of an underlying um, simmering kind of thought process in my mind as even as I went through my 20 years in the police force, I knew there was something out there that was um, more, more than um, just the police force, not yep. just the police force, but that there was something else out there. For well, me. well, 20 years is a, is a long stint for anyone. Oh, well, it is these days, isn't it? In, in one occupation. So it is. Yeah. yeah. So what was I, your, what do you think the biggest thing you got out of being a member of the Victorian police? Well, cliche as it sounds, um, helping people. Um, mm. Obviously, uh, the role that I'm in now in, in my business is also that. But um, I just have so many fond memories of being in the police force. I was able to create change. I was able to help people in the uh, sexual offence and child abuse unit for 15 years. I was able to uh, literally see um, kids walk in with uh, the world of, of weight on their shoulders and after being able to talk about their experiences and have somebody believe them and listen to them and do something for them and seeing them walk out at the end of that whole process, a different person was where it was at for me. Um, a lot of people will comment on um, not being able to work in such an industry, but if you look at it at the end when you're seeing the people feeling believed, valued, um, respected and you can see why people like myself stayed in in that part of the job for so long. And Chris, that is, see, that is a side of policing that the public don't hear of. We just, we hear so many sort of, so much on the negative sides, particularly when it comes to to youth. So that that is really great to, to hear that sort of story. But, okay, so what prompted you to pull the plug and where did you go next? I pulled the plug. Um, That's a new expression well, for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pulled the plug um, because um, there was one particular night I went to a job and at this point in my career I had four kids under nine. Wow. Um, I I went to a I went to a job where it, it was called up as a as a domestic, but I, I arrived there and I could see a gentleman um, pulling a, a woman out of the window by her hair. Oh, wow. um, my partner and I went into this very very small unit um, and were confronted by three hysterical women and an, another man with a knife barricaded into the back room and. At that point, I sort of just thought, oh, that's it. That's the tipping point for me. I've got four kids at home and I I, I need to um, find another avenue that's a bit safer for me. I need to come home to my kids. So I we completed the job successfully, um, got a good outcome there. I went home, I'm back, sorry, went back to the watch house at 10 o'clock for the end of my shift, rang up my boss and resigned. It's it's interesting, Chris. We uh, Bill and I often talk about tipping points or sliding door moments where something happens and it makes you change or rethink what you're doing. And that was definitely yours, wasn't it? When you went into something that, as confronting yeah. as that, thinking of your kids. I understand that. 
Yeah, it was. It was there was a funny thing too that also happened that sort of made me think that I might have had a few too many things on my plate. I um at the top during the time I was in the police force, I was also um I was also managing my own business at that point um, with um, holiday accommodation. Yep. And one of one of the homes. This is a funny story. One of the homes was called King Tide Townhouse, and I was sort of managing that. Um, and it was a very, very, very micro business, very small business. Um, I'd finished in the sexual offences squad, finished at two o'clock or whatever, came home and the phone rang and I was so tired and exhausted with my four kids and everything else. The phone rang and I answered it and I said, hello, sexual King Tide townhouse. And <laughs> the guy on the other end of the phone said, oh, this could be a good holiday for me. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And and I couldn't even the, – the moment had passed for me to even explain to him why I'd said that. And at that moment I thought, I can't even – I can't do all of these things. I've got to, I've got to reduce my workload somewhere along the line. So that was another tipping point. All right. So, okay, so after that, what were the next steps? Well, I – um, was very unwell at that point when I quit um, the police force and I was um, diagnosed with a brain tumour um, and um, during that period of time in the holiday accommodation business we recognised a desperate need for wheelchair accessible accommodation and that um, tourism in general was um, overlooking people with a disability and in a wheelchair but also with limited mobility or invisible disabilities. So um, we set about... Um, levelling a double block in order to build a respite centre uh, for use for holidays with people with disabilities. So we flattened the block um, and then I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. Um, so our development sort of went from one year to five and a half years um, in duration. Um, but I guess that was another pivotal moment and time in my life where there were a lot of changes, um, a lot of stress, <laughs> um, and obviously the brain tumour operation didn't go as planned, so I was in there for a lot longer um, than first um, thought because they'd um, cut some nerves and things in my face. So there was a whole lot of sensitive operations that had this time-sensitive operations had to occur. So in the end, we finally built our respite centre, um, which completed in around 2017, um, and then we've moved gradually into more away from tourism into a healthcare setting. So, Chris, th- just going back to your, your health, what what tipped you off? You had something wrong. Did you were you aware, or was it a what? Yeah, I was aware. I was very aware. Um, I was very aware something was wrong. I had used to get a lot of headaches, but I was very. I looked like I was drunk most of the time. I I remember out at Thirteenth Beach Golf. I was playing a lot of golf back then, and every time I'd try and clamber out of the bunkers, I'd fall over, and I was the joke of the day every day. Um, But the reason actually behind that was because I had a brain tumor um, growing size of actually, ironically, the size of a golf ball in in my. Uh, left ear and brain cavity so it was causing me to fall over to to the left a lot and without um with without any reason um plus plus lots of lots of um lots of headaches so um it took two years to be diagnosed but um in the end um 
yeah, I was, I was diagnosed, which I was happy about because I, I was sort of thought I was um, going a bit stupid. Yeah. And, and, well, and here you are, alive and a very dynamic person within the industry. So, um, yeah, thank wh- you. Why the transition to more of a health than a tourism? What's what's driven that sort of move? Well, I guess COVID drove that. Um, it pushed me. Uh, COVID pushed me into that space, um, and. Out of COVID, I guess, um, having a diverse range of businesses or having diversity within your own, within one business is crucial. Yep. So for me, I was actually running um, or managing two separate businesses at, at, at that time when COVID turned up. And, of course, COVID killed off tourism first. And yep. um, I, I, I just pretty much closed down my tourism business at that point in March of 2020 and um, concentrated all my efforts into the healthcare business um, and it's thriving today um, and I have over 40 um, employees now and I've gone from um, one or two employees back in, in COVID time. So I made the right decision but, um, yeah, my heart, my heart still goes out to all of those tourism businesses that suffered greatly during that time. Chris, while all this is going on, of course, and and prior to it, you you've won three business of the year, or not business of the year, but you've been finalists and won categories three years in a row, I think, in the Geelong Business yes. Excellence Awards. You've uh, become close to to, uh, or did you win the Disability um, Leader of the Year award, or you you were a finalist? I, I read something about that. I was a finalist. That. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a finalist, which was amazing. Mm. We uh, that was a national award, and I was just so humbled by that um, to think that um, to be recognised on that level, to be out there champion, championing the, the voice of all those giants before me that had no voice. Mm. Um, I think the most. I think one of the most um, amazing things about those awards is that it gave me the opportunity to stand up and and get that message out there that disability is not invisible in our community. It's it's real. Our built environment is very very hard for people in with um, physical disabilities, and we all need to do better. Now, while all this is going on, you're raising four kids. How did you manage yes. all that? What's going oh. on at home while <laughs> while all this drama's going on outside? Yeah. Well, my children, um, they're now aged between 16 and 20. They, uh, One of the good things out of my brain tumour was that they became very resilient, very um, close. We're very, very close uh, to each other and they became very patient. So, And they carry those skill sets with them now. I've got three of them that work within my business and they uh, love the idea of choice in terms of whether you're academic or not academic and that they can see that there are choices out there for them outside of the curriculum that's handed to them at school. Um, so they, they're good humans and I'm, I'm extremely proud of all of them. And they all still live with me and I'm trying to keep them with me for as long as possible. <laughs> so, Chris, tell us about the health business. What do you do? What's involved? What do you? What, tell us about it. It's a um, – I would describe it as managing mini hospitals all over the 
region. We have carers come in and we look after people with a range of disabilities um, that are either transitioning um, from hospital or uh, in a degener degenerative type um, disability situation where we can look after them with their ongoing needs while their own home is being fitted out, um, which we also do. That's another arm of the business. We we look after people with very high complex needs because the respite homes that we have have ceiling hoists, hospital beds, um, trained staff, nurses. And so really we're an, a very essential arm to the healthcare system whereby people don't need to necessarily be in aged care homes or hospitals they can come to us and we'll look after them. So have you got um, homes set up across Bar the Barwon South East or where, where, where's... Mm -hmm. where, yep. So mainly, um, sorry, mainly Geelong and the Ballerine um, at, at the moment and we are extending through uh, Melbourne. We, are, um, we have a builder working with us full-time who is wonderful and an expert in accessible housing um, and interestingly actually the the, the federal government has um, put forward um, some policy to have building regulations changed to be universal in design so that all future houses can be um, accessible to pe people in wheelchairs and there's there's two states holding out on that um, but if if they if they finally agree, then um, for me and for all other wheelchair users, it'd be a lot easier to find a wheelchair accessible home. Um, but at the moment, we're just doing a lot of mods, a lot of um, renos with our building team um, to create homes that are suitable for everyone. So do you, you own all the homes that you're building and fit them out? Um, yeah, no, um, there's a selection. Um, and I do work with um, like-minded home owners who okay. understand and, and adopt our values so that they know what we're about, they know what we need, and they know that if we come to them with an ask or a, a modification request that they know why and they're agreeable and agreeable to that. Um, so it's a, it, it is a mm. bit of both. Um, luckily um, for me, I've got a really good team of homeowners that I, I work with. That's, that's fantastic, Chris, because, that again, Bill and I are often amazed at some of the secrets that we've discovered around Geelong, and, and your business is definitely one of them. I'm, <laughs> I, totally yes. un I knew you were in that space, but I didn't know what you did. And so you've given yes. the tourism totally away. You're just focusing now purely on the health health side of things. Yeah, yes, I do. Um, part of the health side of things is it's a very holistic approach that we 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 have with our clientele so i'm really servicing the tourism industry um in terms of utilizing the services that they have yep. for my clients so i might not be in the space just in terms of renting my homes out yep. Yep. to people in, in there but i'll 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 certainly be um going to the likes of seal dolphin swims um and a lot of the wineries and a lot of the other accessible um, businesses we um, have in the region um, so we can get our clients out and about. Right, Chris, we <clears throat> sorry, we mentioned before about the, being a judge on the business awards and that you won it three, three in three different years. 
Are there any, I guess, what's your observation about business owners in general? What do you think makes them successful? Uh, I think a passion for what they're doing. There needs to be fun in what you're doing and uh, value, and to see the value and to see that you're making a change, an actual change. Um, people um, that are nimble, and especially out of COVID, um, people that are nimble and have a diverse range of um, services or products within their business um, uh, is very important as well. But I think I think the passion, people, I mean, to work, to, to build up a business and to have a successful ongoing business um, requires a lot of work and I'm not telling you to anything you don't know, but it's something that you can't do part-time. You, you really need to have your heart and soul into it. Yeah, you I love what you do, haven't you? <laughs> I read a book quite a while ago, and I forget the gentleman's name. It was called Passionate People Produce Passionate Results. Yeah, right? yep. And mm. I've, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. So, Chris. Yeah, oh, totally, yep. So how, how do people get in touch with you? How do people use your services? What's the What's the link? Our website is destinationaccessible.com.au. You guys might know me as Great Ocean Stays, and um, I've I'm transitioning into Destination Accessible uh, now because it's a it's a it's a better name for what I do now out of the um, tourism and COVID time. So yeah, so destinationaccessible.com.au, and um, yeah, happy happy to receive any um, feedback or. Um, Request for service. Fantastic. And in crystal ball, Chris, five years' time, where do you see yourself? Um, well, <laughs> I did say to one of my con- a consultant who's coming in helping me with my business um, a couple of weeks ago, she asked me the same question. I said, um, smelling the tulips in Amsterdam. <laughs> and um, she, she laughed at me. She said, you are never going to be smelling tulips <laughs> <laughs> to do him. you are always going to be doing something um for me in five years i see myself looking at the world um in a more accessible way that we have created a more inclusive built environment for people with disability and that i um, my small contrib- contribution assisted in that um in five years time i think my business will be um still providing um, for people with disability, whether I'm at the home or whether it's somebody else at the home. Well, you know what I said five years' time? You're you're not actually working in it like you are now and that it is running and it's been run with professionals and you're out there, I guess, strategy and educating the community. I think that might be where you end up. Yeah, right. Well, you know, I have a lot of... A lot, of, a lot of people have a lot of things going around in their head and it's a big mushy mess of ideas. Um, that's me. Um, to, to speak those ideas is a whole other challenge for me, um, but I'm very much uh, in, an introvert with lots of ideas in my head. And if I can get them down and get them out in a succinct kind of way, then I'm with you, Bill. Good. <laughs> okay. So, Chris... <laughs> Thank, thank you. You, you. Who would have thought that somebody wandering around a farm down at uh, 
in the bar one picking potatoes would be running a disability uh, accommodation service. Um, unbelievable story, Chris. Absolutely oh, fantastic. I appreciate it. I appreciate your your support, um, actually. And you know, we it's it's us little people out there who can inspire um, the kids and my kids and other kids and young people that they can do anything regardless of results at school as long as there's passion. That's very true. So thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. No problem. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.